are President Trump's wounds self-inflicted? The continuing controversy over whether he's treating the Gold Star families properly, plus questions about Niger and the worst anti-Trump op-ed in the New York Times I have ever seen. We'll talk about all of it. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. So I do have to say, this, this Charles Blow op-ed in the New York Times is not just one of the worst op-eds about Trump I've ever seen. It's one of the worst written op-eds about Trump I've ever seen. I want to go through it at length because I think that it reveals something about where the blind spot is for the left with regard to President Trump. But first, I want to say thank you to our sponsors over at Wink. So, you don't know anything about wine. You're ignorant about wine. But you have to go over to somebody's house for dinner, and you want to bring a good bottle of wine that isn't going to cost you a fortune. This is why you need to go over to my friends at Wink, W-I-N-C. They make it easy to discover great wine. That's because they have wine experts who select wines matched to your taste, personalized for you, shipped right to your door, starting just 13 bucks a bottle. There is nothing like coming home to a delicious box of Wink wine selected just for you. It is the best day of your month, and... If you want a bottle of wine that's curated to your taste or to the taste of the people you're bringing the bottle of wine over to, then you need to go over there and you need to take their personalized survey. It asks you what foods you like and asks you what your palate is like, and then it personalizes a wine recommendation just for you. Each month, there are new delicious wines like the insanely popular Summer Water Rosé. No membership fees. Skip any month. Cancel any time. Shipping is complimentary, and if you don't like a bottle they send you, they will replace it with a bottle you love. No questions asked. So discover great wine today. Go to trywink.com slash Ben. That's trywink. That's try, W-I-N-C dot com slash Ben, and you get $20 off your first shipment. That's $20 off your first shipment, which means basically you're going to get at least one bottle of wine without paying for it, since each bottle of wine is about $13. So that means trywink.com slash Ben. You get $20 off your first shipment. Again, trywink.com slash Ben. Check it out. It makes you look like you know what you're doing with wine, plus it tastes really good. Everybody in the office is constantly drunk on Wink wine. That is not a coincidence. It is both because we hire an inordinate number of alcoholics and also because Wink wine is really good. Okay, so... Uh, I want to start off with this piece from Charles Blow. It was trending on Twitter this morning. And it, what was actually trending on Twitter was Trump isn't Hitler. Right? Trump isn't Hitler. So I clicked on that because I was like, wow, somebody figured it out. And then it says Trump isn't Hitler, but he lies. But the lying, right? That's the actual title of it. So he isn't like Hitler, but he's kind of like him except for the mustache. That's pretty much where Charles Blow over at the New York Times is going. Now, what's astonishing about Charles Blow is not just that he's a bad thinker. The New York Times op-ed page, as Andrew Clavin is fond of saying, a former newspaper, their op-ed page, as we have criticized in the last week, is full of people who are shoddy thinkers. The, the real problem with the New York Times op-ed page with Charles Blow is that Charles Blow is a shoddy writer. I mean, he's just a bad writer. I'm going to read you some of the stuff from this column, and you're going to see this is stuff that would not pass you through freshman seminar at a, at a public college. I mean, this is really not high-level stuff. So, <coughs> Charles Blow begins... It is a commonly accepted rule among those who are in the business of argument, especially online, that he or she who invokes Adolf Hitler, either in oratory or essays, automatically forfeits the argument. But don't worry, he's going to do it anyway. He says, the reference is deemed far too extreme, too explosive, too far beyond rational correlation. No matter how bad a present-day politician, not one of them has charted or is charting a course to exterminate millions of innocent people as an act of ethnic cleansing. Hitler stands alone in this regard, but, but... There are strategies that Hitler used to secure power and rise, things that allowed his murderous reign, that can teach us about political theory and practice. And very reasonable and sage comparisons can be drawn between Hitler's strategies and those of others. So now he's going to make a reasonable and sage comparison. 
What exactly is his reasonable and sage comparison? It's that Hitler was a liar, and so is Donald J. Adolf Trump. He says, one of those lessons is about how purposeful lying can be effectively used as propaganda. The forthcoming comparison isn't to Hitler the murderer, but to Hitler the liar. Now, <clears throat> it's always weird to use Hitler as an example of anything other than mass murder. Like, I, I actually am not somebody who believes you can never make Hitler comparisons. I, I agree, actually, with Charles Blow that it is sometimes worthwhile to look at how dictators rise to power, not using Hitler as the only example, looking at people like Mussolini or looking at people like Franco, looking at the various dictators around the world and saying, how did they rise to power? Hitler's a particularly instructive example because he rose to power in a democracy, right? He was actually elected to his position as chancellor, essentially. And it's fascinating to see what he did in order to get there. That's why he's such an interesting character historically, at least with regard to these sorts of comparisons. But to boil Hitler down to the liar is, again, historically ignorant. This idea that Hitler was a, the, the ultimate liar or that Hitler teaches us all how lies work in politics ignores that lies have worked in politics for pretty much every politician ever. Uh, and Charles Blow goes further. He, he brings out this old trope that I'm not really fond of. I know Dinesh D'Souza called his book The Big Lie. Um, there's this trope that, that goes around. It comes really from, from Goebbels, um, and, uh, or Goebbels, and uh, it, it comes also from Mein Kampf. And it's the idea that the big lie when used in politics is the most effective. That the bigger you lie, the more you get away with it. I don't think this is true. I actually don't think this is true. I think that a subtle lie repeated often is the one that you get away with. A lie that is very difficult to verify is the one that you get away with. A big lie, meaning like an audacious lie, which is usually how people take it, that's the one that's easiest to debunk, right? They're turning the frogs gay, right? Relatively easy to debunk. How about Pizzagate? Relatively easy to debunk. The sun is green, right? Pretty easy to debunk. We look up in the sky, it's not green, we're done. So the bigger the lie in that sense, the more audacious the lie, the easier it is to debunk. It is the subtle lie. It is the lie that... that is, is really a factor of the person lying having more information but not telling the truth than you, and you don't have enough information to determine whether it's the truth or a lie. That's the lie that's successful, and the more it's repeated, the better it does. But what people on the left can't stand about Trump is that, well, one of the things, one of the many things, is that Trump lies audaciously and says things that aren't true all the time, and people don't seem to care. And the left doesn't understand why that is. The left says, well, why can't anyone just acknowledge he's a liar? Okay, I cut a video during the primaries uh, in, in last year's election cycle in which I explicitly said Donald Trump is a liar. He is. I mean, Trump lies a lot. Let's be frank about this. Trump is not an honest guy. Okay, he, he does it habitually. He says a lot of things that aren't true. But are those the kind of damaging lies that destroy the country? Right? Which, which are the kind of lies that people worry more about? So in the exit polls, this is where Charles Blow goes wrong ideologically. Charles Blow suggests the American people let Trump get away with his lies. They believe him. There is not a single poll that has shown that Americans think Trump is trustworthy. In fact, there are polls showing that people think CNN is more trustworthy than Trump. Right now, the exit polls from 2016, an election that Trump won, showed that 64% of Americans thought Trump was neither honest nor trustworthy. The same polls, of course, showed that about the same number of people thought Hitler, I mean, not Hitler, thought that Hillary was neither honest nor trustworthy. So that is the real problem for the left. Not that Trump lies and he gets away with it, but that they lie too, and the American public identify all the lies, and then they prefer the lies of Donald Trump to the lies of Hillary Clinton. Right? That's what's actually going on in American politics. Not that Trump lies and everybody goes, he's telling the truth. There's 30% of the population that does that. Okay? There are 30% of people who will do that. There's the Bill Mitchells of the world who say that everything Trump says is gospel truth. It, it is coming down on high from Sinai. It is absolutely 100% real. But most people, most Americans look at Trump and they say sometimes he tells the truth and sometimes he tells truths that are really necessary 
And sometimes he just lies because he says crap. As I've said many times on this show, sometimes he just says crap. But Charles Blow thinks that the real reason Trump is winning is because he is just such a skilled, exact, razor-sharp liar. He has perfected the art of lying. He has, he has figured out the Hitlerian tool. And so he writes, Trump is no Hitler, but the way he has manipulated the American people with outrageous lies stacked one on top of the other has an eerie historical resonance. Demagogy has a fixed design. Dun, 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 dun. Okay, what I would like to know are what were the outrageous lies that he stacked one on top of another? The ones that he said during the campaign, the talking points he said during the campaign that won him victory were actually mostly true, right? When he talked about how Hillary Clinton was a criminal, true. When he talked about Hillary Clinton being unfit for office, true. When he said that people had to vote for him if they wanted hope for the court, true, right? Those were basically true statements, right? I may not have believed them, but they, but they were true. I mean, I didn't believe the one about the court because I have other issues with the court, but I think what he was saying was, at least at root, had, had an element of truth to it, for sure. The, the stuff that he said that wasn't true during the campaign, the stuff about Ted Cruz's father killing John F. Kennedy and such, you know, that kind of stuff, people just went, meh, whatever. They were willing to overlook that because they felt like all politicians lie. Now, that is, I think, the biggest lie that has been promulgated, and that's not Trump who said it. It's just, it's something Americans believe, and I don't think it's true, that all politicians lie or have to lie. But that's something that's been pushed by both sides of the aisle. It's cynicism uh, masquerading as, as wisdom, and I don't think that it's really true. In any case, Charles Blow goes on in this vein. He says, Trump has found a way to couch the lies so that people believe they don't emanate from him but pass through him. He is not a producer, but a projector. And then he talks about how Trump likes to use phrases like, lots of people are saying, or I was told. Okay, that's true. Trump does do that. But then he blows that up into, and that's why Trump is winning. It's because of his lies. If only people could see through him. If only people could see the truth. People do see the truth, and then they prefer Trump to your guy. What does that say about your guy, Charles Blow? What does that say about your movement? That people actually do see Trump relatively clearly and then choose him anyway. What does that say about the left? And that's a question I think the left does not want to cope with. I do have to read you a couple of paragraphs that are just demonstrating that th this, this is really one of the worst written columns I've ever seen. These two paragraphs are astonishingly bad. Maybe I have crossed the ink-stained line of the essay writer where Hitler is always beyond it, but I don't think so. Ignoring what one of history's greatest examples of lying has to teach us about current examples of lying, particularly lying by the president of the most powerful country in the world, seems to me an act of timidity in a time of terror. It is an intentional self-blinding to avoid offending frail sensibilities. I have neither time nor patience for such tiptoeing. I prefer the best sentence ever, right here. I prefer the boot of truth to slam down to earth like thunder, no matter the shock of hearing its clap. Um, there are no words for how bad that writing is. That writing is so intensely awful. I mean, that writing is, that should be in like the purple writing competition that they have every year where they do like the worst sex scenes. I mean, that should be in there. It's not even a sex sentence and it should be in there. It's so bad. I prefer the boot of truth to slam down to earth like thunder. It's like Burt Lahr from, uh, from, the, from the cowardly, playing the cowardly lion in the Wizard of Oz. Like thunder, no matter the shock of hearing its clap. Okay, first of all, boots do not slam to earth like thunder. If they are, it's sort of fascistic image, actually. <clears throat> no matter the shock of hearing its clap, there's no clap of a boot to earth. Um, I've crossed the line from ink-stained ink line of the essay writer. I mean, like, really, the freshman seminar, this would have been tossed out, C-minus. So bad stuff from the New York Times. The reason that I point this out today is because Trump is under assault. And one of the questions we have to ask ourselves, to be honest observers of the situation, is whether Trump's current political position, he's in a bad political position right now, 
how much of that is self-inflicted and how much of that is because the media are out to get him. And I think it's a combination of both. Uh, I think that Trump has a penchant for shooting himself in both feet and then taking a knife and stabbing himself in both feet and then taking a sledgehammer and bashing himself in both feet and then he hobbles around complaining about the media. I think the media are more than happy to join in on the fun. I think the media are looking for opportunities to do this. So today's case in point is the situation over in Niger. So if you missed what actually happened, it was easy to miss it because the media didn't even cover it. So on October 4th, there was an ISIS, apparently ISIS attack in Niger, okay? And this ISIS attack in Niger killed four Americans and, uh, and the, I'm sorry, they killed four Americans uh, and wounded another two. And in doing so, it ended up basically uh, creating a, a firestorm because there are a bunch of questions that have to be asked about Niger. Now, there's a Democrat named uh, Frederica Wilson, and she is suggesting that Niger is going to be Trump's Benghazi. Here she is. To hear Mr. Trump's um, verbiage to the wife, I want to know from Mr. Trump what happened to the David in Niger. Why was he the last one found? Why did it take 48 hours for them to discover him? Why wasn't he in a car, an armored truck? Why did he have weapons uh, weaker than the uh, terrorist weapons? Why were they able to surround them and kill them? This is going to be Mr. Trump's Benghazi, because I cannot get the answers. Nobody can get the answers. And until we get those answers, it is his Benghazi, and this whole thing about what he said to the widow is a cover-up. Okay, and there are all the people clapping for that. Oh, it's going to be his Benghazi. So people are obviously excited to make this Niger situation into Trump's Benghazi. It is not clear. It is really not clear that there is anything here that says that this is Trump's Benghazi. Here are the questions that do have to be asked about Niger, okay? There are some questions that we need to ask about what happened in Niger. What happened in Benghazi, just to be clear, was a failure on every level. There were 600-odd requests from people on the ground in Libya to Hillary Clinton's State Department asking specifically for more security, turned down 600-odd times from the State Department or ignored. There was an attack that took place over the course of hours. Nobody arrived to help. Afterward, the administration openly lied to the American public about it. They claimed that the American public uh, was, uh, was being told the truth. They were not. We were told that it was an anti-Islam video that caused the problem, that it was not, in fact, the, an organized terror assault. Uh, that was false. Uh, and then we were told in the aftermath of all of this that everything had gone swimmingly and that Hillary Clinton had done her job and all the rest. So there, there are a bunch of different issues that happened in Benghazi that didn't necessarily happen in Niger. The Democrats are constantly looking for something to be Trump's ex, right? So Russia is going to be Trump's Watergate. Ooh. And then we get that, 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 the, that this situation is going to be Trump's Benghazi. Ooh. And then we get that Puerto Rico is going to be Trump's Katrina. Ooh. It's always going to be Trump's something. But we actually have to determine whether it is one of these things or whether it is not one of these things. There's not a lot of evidence to suggest yet that Niger is Trump's Benghazi. Now, before I go any further and ask the questions about Niger, I first want to stop and say thank you to our sponsors over at Beachbody On Demand. So right now, I'm on the road. That means that I don't have my personal trainer, that the one I use at home. It means that I don't have lots of time to work out. And that's why I use Beachbody On Demand. I don't have a lot of room in this hotel room, but that's enough room for me to be able to work out and keep in shape. They have all the best brands, Beachbody On Demand. We're talking about Pio, we're talking about 21 Day Fix, P90X, Insanity, Three Week Yoga Retreat, all of these familiar brands. What Beachbody On Demand does is it gives you access 
to over 600 different workouts. You don't have to get bored. You don't have to do the same routine every single time. It gives you everything you need. Highly effective, world-class workouts you can do in your home or, or on the road, plus extensive nutritional content, all this personalized to meet your needs, proven to help people achieve their health and fitness goals. Beachbody On Demand provides you the best in all of this. Plus, right now, they even include brand new first-of-their-kind cooking shows for healthy weight loss and portion control. It's called Fixate, and that teaches you how to cook healthy, delicious, simple recipes for you and your family. Over 100 recipe videos there. So if you want to be in shape, if you want to live longer, if you want to be happier, the best way to do it is Beachbody On Demand. It's a brand new service. It already has over a million members. Your listeners right now can claim a free trial membership, right? Ben Shapiro listeners, we can claim a free trial membership. Text Shapiro to 303030, Shapiro to 303030, and get full access to the entire platform for free. So go to your phone right now, I mean, while you're listening, and just text the number 303030 and text the text Shapiro there, and you get a full trial access, a free trial membership to Beachbody On Demand. Again, that gives you access to all of these workouts, 600 different workouts, all the best workouts, all the ones that you see people on TV raving about. You get all of that and get to try it for free uh, and see whether you like it. I promise you will. Beachbody On Demand, text Shapiro to 303030. Again, Shapiro to 303030. Okay, so it is important at this point, I think, to take a look at what was happening in Niger. So over in Niger, a group of American soldiers was reportedly ambushed by 50 ISIS-affiliated fighters. That's what happened. And in the process of this ambush, four American soldiers were killed. One of the American soldiers who was killed was LaDavid Johnson, Sergeant LaDavid Johnson, American hero. Uh, this is the person whose widow Trump called the other day. And LaDavid Johnson, what was weird about this is he got separated from the rest of the troops and it took them 48 hours to find him. It took them 48 hours to find him. So this is where we start getting into questions that do not have answers as of yet. Terrorist groups use not, so there are a bunch of questions. Let's go through the questions. First of all, why are we in Niger in the first place? So this is not on Trump. This is on Obama. Obama sent troops to Niger in the first place. The idea was that our troops were going to help quash Boko Haram in Niger and neighboring countries like Chad. That was the idea here, right? Neighboring countries like Nigeria and Chad, these were countries where Boko Haram is very active. And so we were going to send 800 American troops in country. That was under Obama. Trump just kept them there. The reason that that's a question is because apparently we do not have permission from the government of Niger to actually drop ordinance in Niger. So one of the problems here is that about 30 minutes after this attack started, there were planes that arrived, but they didn't have permission to drop bombs. They were just doing flyovers of terrorists, which is insane. It's insane. And, and it, there's a question to me as to why exactly we are abiding by stupid rules like that. What's Niger going to do? Toss us from the country? They need our help. Like, really, what are they going to do? If we drop a bomb and we kill a bunch of terrorists, so they launch a complaint. Big frickin' deal. So that seems to me a, a serious question. Second question, why didn't we know ISIS was there? So ISIS is very active in the region. ISIS is, is extraordinarily active in Africa, both Northern Africa and Sub-Saharan Africa, and they use Niger as a thoroughfare to move from Northern Africa to Sub-Saharan Africa. The Pentagon is still trying to figure out why we didn't know that this ambush was going to take place. Apparently, a bunch of our soldiers were there for a meeting. Half of them were by the Humvees, and half of them were at the meeting. On the way, uh, on the way out of the meeting is when the ambush took place. This does raise the question, if it was an ISIS attack, why the administration has not openly acknowledged that it was an ISIS attack? You know, that seems to me a real question, considering we're wondering why didn't the Obama administration acknowledge that al-Qaeda was behind the Benghazi attack? The third question is, what exactly happened to Sergeant Johnson? So according to CNN, quote, the U.S. military said it does not believe Johnson ever fell into enemy hands, but had reason to believe he might be alive. Military officials launched an urgent search and rescue mission after receiving electronic signals that indicated Johnson might be alive in the field, which is just astonishing. 
His body was eventually found in a nearby area, but military investigators do not know why he was left behind during the French-led evacuation and if he was alive even for a short period of time, U.S. officials told CNN. So we don't know how he was killed. There's going to have to be an investigation there. We need to know why help didn't arrive sooner. Why didn't the air cover arrive sooner? Uh, there was apparently a 30-minute delay. And why did it take Trump tw 12 days to acknowledge the deaths? So even though this took place on October 4th, and even though the Pentagon had a statement drafted that day, Trump didn't say anything. On October 5th, White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders said something in a press conference, but Trump himself didn't say anything until last Monday. Right? And it was last Monday that Trump got himself in hot water. So is this a case of the media being out to get Trump, or is this a case of a self-inflicted wound? And the answer is a little bit of both, right? Trump should have acknowledged this earlier. Trump should have been forthcoming about this. I, I do not, for the life of me, understand why any president isn't forthcoming about the bad things that happen. The American people are very forgiving when bad things happen and presidents tell the truth. They're very unforgiving when bad things happen and presidents lie to them. Uh, Trump didn't lie here, but Trump should have acknowledged this earlier, obviously. And then... Trump, because he's defensive, because he's a defensive fellow who feels insulted all the time, instead of him saying, listen, we're working on speaking with all the families, that's something that's got to be done through proper channels, instead he said, we've called everybody, and I don't think former presidents have called everybody. And that, of course, is what launched the second firestorm, right? And this, again, is half Trump and half the media. It's Trump's fault for launching a thousand ships here. It's Trump's fault for saying that Obama or Bush weren't proper in their, in their respect for, for the troops, right? That's a, that's a ridiculous statement. Dana Perino has a great piece out today talking about President Bush going to Walter Reed Hospital and visiting wounded soldiers. It's really moving. I urge you to go read it in full. It's really terrific. Apparently, it's from her book. Um, it's an excerpt from her book, but it really is quite moving. The idea that Bush or Obama were disrespectful to the families of fallen troops, uh, that is not true. And it, but, but what the media did is instead of just saying, that's not true, as I've been saying for two days— the media, or three days, the media has decided instead it is necessary and vital for them to go out and say that Donald Trump act actively does not care about the troops. And so what they did is they decided to go to and track down every family of every troop who's been killed while Trump has been president. And then they decide that they're going to make Trump look bad. So there's a gold star widow who was on CNN saying, you know, Trump said he called everybody. He didn't call me. At the dignified transfer in Dover, I was extremely honored to have had Vice President Pence there. He spent a great deal of time talking to me, and it wasn't um, it wasn't an uncomfortable type of thing. He really was just a very genuine human being, and he shared his condolences, and he talked to me like he knew me forever, so it meant a lot for me to have him there. Um, soon after, um, maybe it was— it was around the same time. I know that um, I was meeting with my casualty officer, and he received a call from the White House. I'm not exactly sure who, but he was told that I needed to be by my phone for the next few days because the president would be calling me to express his condolences on behalf of the nation. And I just, I never received the phone call. So the media, of course, tracking all of these things down now. They didn't do this with Bush. They didn't do this with Obama. But because Trump actually pushed the narrative that he was the best at doing this, now the media saw an opening and they went for it. That's gross by the media. It is, okay? It's actually not really our business whether Trump calls these troops families or not, at least not until the troops' families come out and speak about it openly and ask Trump to do so. There's another story that came out from CNN that during one of these calls, Trump had called the father of one of the soldiers. He was divorced from the mother. Uh, all of the benefits, I guess, were supposed to go to the mother, and the father was complaining about it. So Trump said to the father that he would cut him a $25,000 check. He then didn't do it for months. CNN found this out, and that day, Trump cut a check. So CNN was saying, well, we prompted Trump to cut the check. Okay, whatever. 
whatever. All of this is really unseemly. All of this is really gross. How much of it is Trump? How much of it is the media? I would say in this particular circumstance, about 40% of it is Trump and about 60% of it is the media. Trump should not have opened this, ca this box of worms. Instead, he did, and it turned into a disaster area for him. More on that in just a second. But first, I want to say thank you to our sponsors over at Bowl and Branch. So, today, I am in a hotel. I've been sleeping okay at the hotel, but I have not been sleeping as well as I do at home. That is for several reasons, but one of those reasons for sure is the presence of Bowl and Branch sheets on my bed at home. There is no better sheet in the world than Bowl and Branch sheets. Again, this is one of those products where I've gone out and spent my own money buying the product because it is so good. You think it's not necessary to buy sheets that cost a little bit of money. You are wrong. You're sleeping on those things every night. Bowl and Branch sheets, they're breathable. They are comfortable, most comfortable sheets that you have ever slept on. They're the right sheets that can take your sleep and your style to the next level. There are three ex-presidents and Bill Clinton's lovers, if he's one of them, who sleep on Bull and Branch sheets. Bull and Branch sheets are worth every penny. What makes them unique is that each sheet is crafted from 100% organic cotton, which means they not only feel incredible, they also look amazing. You know, I, again, I'm not any sort of connoisseur when it comes to sheets. All I can tell you is what feels good to me, and Bull and Branch is fantastic. And since they sell exclusively online, you don't pay the expensive retail markups. That's half the price, twice the quality. You will love them, and you can try them risk-free. 30 nights, see for yourself. If you don't like them, return them for a full refund. And the reason they can afford to do that is because everybody likes the sheets. Go to bullandbranch.com today. You will get $50 off your first set of sheets, plus free shipping when you use that promo code BEN. So go to bullandbranch, B-O-L-L, and branch.com. Use promo code BEN. $50 off, plus free shipping right now. Bullandbranch.com. Again, use that promo code Ben. Most comfortable sheets you will ever sleep on. Okay, so again, the question that we've been asking all podcast long is whether this is Trump's fault, the, the current onslaught against Trump is Trump's fault, or whether it's the media's fault. And again, the answer is that it's mostly the media, but Trump has to not hit the trigger wire. Okay, the, the media basically are like a, a landmine, and Trump has to avoid stepping on as many landmines as possible. Instead, Trump has a bad habit of seeing a landmine grinning and then jumping with both feet on top of it. And so the media have, of course, jumped on top of him with both feet. So Rob Reiner, uh, you know, it, just another example, he comes out yesterday and he says, well, Trump is a sociopath, right? He's a sociopath when it comes to the treatment of our troops. He has, he, he has no empathy. I mean, he, he's, I hate to say it, but he's a sociopath. I mean, he has no feeling for other people. And, and, so and it, it, it's one of thousands of things like that. When he talked about the Khan family, yeah. Meghan McCain, who you had out, he said he's not a real hero because he got captured. I mean, one thing after the next. I mean, it's, it's just a part of everything that yeah. he's done. Oh, yeah, it's just a part of everything he's done. And, of course, the media love it. They lap it up. The view, there's big cheers from the crowd. And then they wonder why Trump thinks that the media is out to get him because the media are out to get him. Now, again... Some of this is Trump's fault. Sarah Huckabee Sanders came out today, and she said that, that General Kelly, General John Kelly, was disgusted by the way all of this had been politicized. We'll play Sanders, and then I'll explain why Sanders is not completely correct to do what she's doing here. I think that General Kelly is disgusted by the way that this has been politicized and that the focus has become on the process and not the fact that American lives were lost. I think he's disgusted and frustrated by that. And if he has any anger, it's towards that. Okay, so again, she's saying now that General Kelly is, is upset about it. The fact is General Kelly would not even be part of this story except for the fact that the White House trotted out General Kelly as evidence that Obama didn't call every soldier, even though Obama sat next to General Kelly in 2011 and 2012 after the death of his son. This is why I say 
A lot of it's the media, yes. Some of it is President Trump. He needs to do better than this. Another example of this, there's a story that's happening right now that is a very good story for Trump and a very bad story for Democrats. The story is this. It comes courtesy of the it comes courtesy of Fox News. It says two top officials at the political research firm behind it. Ah, sorry. These autoplay videos are just terrible. It says two top officials behind the Fusion GPS dossier. Uh, alleging various Russian connections to President Trump's campaign invoked their Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination before the House Intelligence Committee on Wednesday. Fusion GPS co-founder Peter Fritsch, top Lieutenant Thomas Catan, were subpoenaed to appear before the committee in a closed-door session uh, in a closed-door session on Wednesday, but asserted their right not to testify, a source close to the matter told Fox News. Frisch and Catan took the fifth on every question posed by committee members. Another co-founder, Glenn Simpson, is under subpoena for a later date. The move was expected. So here's what happened. Here's the backstory here. The backstory is, you remember, there was this dossier, right? A Fusion GPS dossier compiled from a spy named Christopher Steele over in Britain. Fusion GPS is a Democratic research firm. And they compiled this dossier, which ends up in the hands of the FBI. And very early in the Trump presidency, there's a story from BuzzFeed leaking this dossier to the press. The dossier had all of these weird allegations about Trump. Some have been substantiated, some have not. Um, the ones that have not are the most ludicrous ones, the ones about him being peed on by Russian prostitutes and all of this kind of weird stuff. Uh, so Fusion GPS compiled this thing. They have now been called before Congress to ask, who asked you to compile this? Right? Who paid you to compile this? And the officials at Fusion GPS refused to say. Now, the obvious answer is the Democrats told Fusion GPS to compile this. Right? That's the obvious answer. There's nothing illegal about that, by the way, as far as I'm aware. I think the Democrats just don't want to admit that they were paying spies to come up with dirt on Donald Trump. So they've been trying to stonewall it. But as far as I'm aware, it's not against the law to hire an intelligence official to spill his secrets about President Trump. It may create some legal liability, you know, in terms of in terms of like being sued, but I'm not sure that it does anything beyond that. In any case, they took the fifth. This is an example of how a story that is obviously good for Trump, Democrats probably targeting President Trump through Fusion GPS, coming up with bad data and then submitting it to the FBI, how President Trump is capable of turning that into a story not about what the story is about. So Trump tweets out uh, something about the Fusion GPS story. And, uh, and what he tweets out is this. He tweets out that, quote, workers of firm involved with the discredited and fake dossier take the fifth, right? Who paid for it? Russia, the FBI, or the Dems, or all? Well, you know, once you include the FBI and Russia in there, particularly, you're now basically accusing the FBI of being traitors, and that's not exactly the tack you want to take. Now, to be fair to President Trump, there have been reports that the FBI wanted to pay Christopher Steele to compile a dossier in the past, but they wouldn't use Fusion GPS to do it, presumably. I'm not aware that the FBI has ever used Fusion GPS as a thoroughfare to pay some spy to come up with a dossier. If they want to pay somebody, they just pay somebody. Um, but, you know, now it's President Trump challenging his own FBI. The media will jump on that. It'll be another bad story. Uh, you know, this is not to say that President Trump's twi Twitter feed can't be a force for good. Like, for example, I think Trump did the right thing when he tweeted out about the uranium story that I discussed yesterday. This is the story that says that the Obama Department of Justice knew full well that the Russians were attempting corrupt activities, and they still allowed the State Department to greenlight uranium buying by the Russian government. So Trump tweeted this out. He tweeted out, uranium deal to Russia with Clinton help and Obama administration knowledge is the biggest story the fake media don't want to follow. That 100% is true. And this is where Trump's Twitter feed could be a force for good, right? He can actually put a spotlight, but you have to put the spotlight in the right place. Now, that tweet right there, Trump allowed that to be overshadowed by his other activities, 
If Trump could pick the right spots, if Trump could use the knife where the knife is necessary, instead of just kind of waving it around like a crazy person in an airport, then his bully pulpit, the fact that he has this massive Twitter following, the fact that he can shift the media's attention like that on a dime, it would actually be quite powerful. Imagine if Trump tweeted one-tenth as much, but ten times as, as specifically. How much more effective would he be as president? I'm not saying get rid of the Twitter. I'm saying control yourself. But if he can't control himself, get rid of the Twitter. This is a big story, and it is a story the media have been studiously avoiding. Now, Eric Holder came out yesterday. Remember, this is Eric Holder's DOJ that approved the Russian government buying 20% of America's uranium. They said nothing. right? This, they knew about it. The FBI knew about it. The State Department says they didn't know about it. That's probably a lie. The State Department probably knew about it. The State Department greenlit the deal anyway, even as Russia, and especially as Russia was pouring money into the Clinton Foundation coffers. Eric Holder, who is the head of that DOJ, he's now coming out saying he's a member of the resistance. And then we're supposed to wonder that, that Eric Holder is, is, is involved in corrupt activities with other Democrats? It's been a difficult thing um, to watch. And... Um, it means that I, I think I have to be a part of the resistance and to try to save as much of the great work I think that we did as is possible and to try to ensure that um, we put in place leadership in 2018 and 2020 um, that will be supportive of uh, the, the positive things that we did. You're a member of the resistance? Yeah, yeah, I, I am. Uh, there's, there's no question about that. Uh, you know, I'm a progressive Democrat uh, committed to the ideals of my party and proud of the work that I did as attorney general. Well, as attorney general, you did the work of a hack, and he demonstrates that full well, in, and I'll show you in just a second. But first, I want to say thank you to our sponsors over at Quip. So there are a lot of recent studies that say that if you do not brush your teeth properly, if your teeth are not properly cleaned, then it is linked to things like heart disease. Okay, this is why you need to clean your teeth. Plus, I mean, you just it looks horrible if you got broccoli in there. So please, use Quip. Quip is the new company that is refreshing the way people brush their teeth. I can bring this electronic toothbrush and this electric toothbrush on the road. It packs premium vibration and timer features into a super slim design. It's really light. You don't have to carry along a charger. It is self-charging, essentially. You put a battery in there, and you're ready to go. It is half the cost of bulkier brushes. It is basically like Apple designed a toothbrush, but without that huge price tag. You should try it yourself. You can subscribe right now to receive new brush heads on a dentist-recommended three-month plan for just five bucks, including free shipping. Right now, go to getquip.com slash Shapiro. Get your first refill pack. Quip starts at like 25 bucks. Okay, so it's, it's much less expensive than the ones that you get over at the, at the Rite Aid or the CVS. And it is also much better than those ones because you can travel with it, because it is super slim, it's a nice-looking toothbrush, and you can subscribe so that the heads are replaced every so often. Right now, go to getquip.com Shapiro to get that first refill pack free with the Quip Electric Toothbrush. That is your first refill pack absolutely free at getquip.com Shapiro. Again, that's G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com Shapiro. Getquip.com Shapiro. Go over to getquip.com slash Shapiro and check it out and keep your teeth clean and, uh, and your health in order. Okay, so Eric Holder, political hack. This is what I wish the media were focused on if they weren't chasing squirrels and Trump weren't pushing them to chase squirrels. Here's Eric Holder suggesting that what James Comey did was totally fine. We talked about this yesterday. James Comey, months before the investigation had closed, was already getting ready to exonerate Hillary Clinton. Eric Holder, of, think, uh, of course, thinks that's hunky-dory. I've been critical of Jim Comey, but I've also known Jim Comey for, you know, 20, 30 years. Uh, he's an honest guy, and the determination that um, he made, and I think inappropriately announced, I think is based on the facts, um, based on his interpretation of the law, and it was nothing more than that. Um, it was a, a good faith assessment by a person who I think has done a lot for, uh, for this country. 
Well, I'm so glad that the partisan hack that is Eric Holder thinks that a good faith assessment was done. Eric Holder should be called before Congress. He should be asked to answer questions as to why a uranium deal was allowed to go through with Hillary Clinton's foundation receiving money at the exact time he was head of the DOJ. That seems to me a major scandal that the media are completely ignoring. Okay, so last night, there was a big debate between Bernie Sanders and Ted Cruz. I also want to do things I like and things I hate. But first, we have to say goodbye to our friends over at Facebook. If you want to subscribe, then you can see the rest of the show live, which is just the best thing that you could possibly do. $9.99 a month, get to a subscription to dailywire.com. You get my show live. You get to be part of my mailbag. You get Andrew Clavin's show live. You get, you get Michael Knowles' show live, God help us. You get all of those live. You get to be part of our mailbags when we do conversations, live question conversations. We'll answer your questions and make your life better. Um, plus, you get the website all ad-free, uh, banner ad-free. Uh, and so you get all those things for $9.99 a month. For $99 a year, you get the annual subscription, which comes along with the world-famous, never-duplicated, never-defeated Tumblr, the, the leftist tears, hot or cold Tumblr. I don't even bring it on the road because it is that valuable. If the Eric Lines were to lose it, then half of my net worth would be gone. It is that good. $99 a year gets you that Tumblr, plus all of the aforementioned glories available at dailywire.com. If you just want to listen later for free, go over to SoundCloud or iTunes, download the show, subscribe, go over to YouTube and subscribe over there. We have lots of videos that come out and are just videos that you won't get through iTunes or SoundCloud. Uh, make sure you leave us a review at all of these places. We always appreciate it. We are the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast in the nation. So last night, Bernie Sanders and Ted Cruz debate on taxes. I will admit I did not watch this live. I was giving a speech over at University of Tennessee. I think that it's a speech that you should go listen to and go watch. It's different than my normal speech on college campuses. I talk a little bit about the meaning of life. Yes, really, the meaning of life and why I think our lack of meaning is leading us down a dark path in the United States where we are just clubbing the living crap out of each other on a daily basis. Um, but two people who are clubbing the living crap out of each other on a daily basis, Ted Cruz using his Zodiac Killer knife and Bernie Sanders using his walker, uh, they, were, they were doing it last night on CNN on taxes. Uh, it was about how you would expect it to go. Um, the, I want to show you one clip of a guy stumping Bernie Sanders on taxes and doing something I wish Ted Cruz had done but didn't last night. Here is this, this questioner stumping Bernie Sanders on taxes. Senator Sanders, over my lifetime, all we've seen is more government and more expenses, cutting taxes from top to bottom or bottom to top, however you view it. Then we'll give some relief to the burdensome expenses all Americans face. Why would you not want a tax cut across the board for all Americans? Well, I do want a tax cut for the middle class and working families, but the Koch brothers should get a tax break of up to $30 billion. Do you think that makes sense? I did say all Americans. <laughs> well, do you think that the wealthy should not get tax breaks? I did say all Americans. Okay, well, I happen not to believe that the Koch brothers need a tax break. Okay, so you can see Bernie is, is very upset about that, and that's when the Curb the Enthusiasm music starts in. Bernie did not get his pudding cup. The reason that I think Republicans do this wrong is because I think that if you watched Ted Cruz last night, he too was focusing on the middle class and the lower classes need more tax cuts. Okay, let's be real about this. The people who need the tax cuts the most in order to generate wealth in the economy are the people who are paying the taxes. That is disproportionately people at the top. It is very hard to give tax relief to people who are paying very little in taxes. I've done this tax breakdown before. 
Uh, so I don't see the need to, to do it again. But bottom line is that if you're in the lowest quintile of income earners in the United States, you're essentially paying zero taxes. When it comes to net taxes in the United States, meaning the benefits you get back from government, basically the only people paying taxes in the United States, net taxes in the United States, are people in the top 10% of income earners. Those are the people who are actually generating the jobs. There's a weird misconception about the economy, and that is that every dollar that is spent is equally helpful to the generation of a healthy economy. This is untrue. If I spend a dollar on a hamburger, that is not nearly as helpful to the generation of a, of a stronger economy than if I spend that dollar investing in hiring somebody to grow Daily Wire. Okay, the reason for that is because I'm inventing new products and services over at Daily Wire. Right? The reason that your life is better now than it was 20 years ago, the reason you have cool new stuff, the reason you can go on a computer and you can hit a button and stuff arrives at your door, the reason you can go to all of our advertisers online and, arrive, and, and order things that arrive at your door right now is because people were innovative, because people created new products and services. It's not the amount of money passing through the economy that, that matters. It's the products that are being generated by the passage of that money. Okay? Income is a passive byproduct to the generation of new products and services. Like, presumably, you're happier right now because you're watching this show. If we didn't have somebody investing in the show, namely you, and also people who are very wealthy who invested in the creation of Daily Wire, you wouldn't have that. And this is true of every product you own. This is true of every product you own. Bill Gates has done more to alleviate poverty than the federal government. Okay, that's just a, a fact of life. Okay, the, the po federal poverty rate is basically the same as it was before the war on poverty ever began. Bill, Bill Gates has created enormous numbers of jobs across the economy and made people's lives easier and better. Okay, this is certainly true of Jeff Bezos as well. Everybody likes to complain about the generation of new products because whenever a new product is generated, an old product is, is hurt. But those new products are what makes life better for all of us. Amazon is better than having to go to a used bookstore. I love used bookstores, okay? I miss used bookstores, but Amazon is a better service. Okay, Amazon is a better service for shopping than going to your local grocery store very often. It's particularly true if you're in a place like Manhattan where it's hard to schlep groceries around. Okay, the fact is that if you actually want a better world, you're going to have to allow people who generate new things to keep their money and generate more new things. Okay, because it turns out that a lot of the people who generate new things, people like Elon Musk, they generate lots of new things. It's not that they generate one new thing and now they're done. It's they generate lots of new things with that money. Or they give it to a bank. And you know what the bank does? It doesn't invest in hamburgers. The bank goes and invests in new businesses that are starting up and generate better products. The reason your life is better now than it was 50 years ago is not because there are more, more dollars flowing through the economy. Precisely the opposite. It's the, it's the idea that the products that are being generated and passing through the economy are simply better. They're just simply better. Okay, so now I want to talk about a couple of things that I like and then a couple of things that I hate. So let's start with some things that I like. So the first thing that I like is if I, if I had turned off my cell phone before the show, I mean, the sound today, just awful. But in any case, uh, the things that I like. Okay, so yesterday, Ben Sass was in a, in a meeting with Ted Cruz, and Ben Sass decided that it, was, uh, that it was worthwhile to spill a Dr. Pepper on Ted Cruz, and this became kind of a viral thing. And then Ben Sass tweeted something at Ted Cruz about the idea that Ted Cruz, uh, had, his father had killed JFK. So Ted Cruz then sent back this tweet, which is just awesome. Right, so Ben Sass says, full disclosure, I was wearing my Lee Harvey Oswald was framed t-shirt, and then Ted Cruz tweeted back the Zodiac Killer note, which set the internet aflame. Right, it was like 79,000 likes, 47,000 retweets, very funny stuff. I don't know if Cruz himself came up with that. Um, it's possible. Uh, it is also possible it was an assistant, but whatever it is, it's really, really funny. You know, this is why politicians ought to embrace some of the memery on the internet because some of it's really funny. Speaking of memery on the internet, I, I did have to laugh yesterday because one of the things that was being passed around the internet 
was uh, a conspiracy theory regarding Melania Trump. Uh, no, not that she's some sort of Russian spy. The conspiracy theory is that Melania Trump has a body double. Really, really funny. So you can see uh, this guy, buylegalmeds.com. I assume he's uh, a guy high on pot. He says, this is not Melania. To think they would go this far and try and make us think it's her on TV is mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. Makes me wonder what else is a lie. And it shows a picture of Melania Trump and then a close-up of Melania Trump Right, and it is clearly still Melania Trump. He said, let me save you some time from looking it up. It is not her. Okay, dude, it's her. I, I do love when people are so crazy, and I also love the fact that he misspelled Melania Trump in the, in the Google line there, M-I-L, as opposed to M-E-L. So pretty grand stuff from the internet there, uh, just proving that people will believe anything. This was going around the internet. The truth is that it, 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 we know that it was Melania Trump because she does have a body double, but the body double was eating at Comet Ping Pong Pizza yesterday, so it couldn't have been her over there with Trump. Okay, other things that I like. This is just quite wonderful. So ISIS was defeated in Raqqa, as I discussed yesterday. The biggest untold story of the week. Uh, it's been obliterated by all of the stupid news that we have to cover. But uh, after ISIS was defeated in Raqqa, this is video of one of the women who was oppressed under ISIS. You see, she took off her headscarf. Right? So she was wearing, forced to wear that headscarf. And she took it off and she and she threw it down. Okay, the liberation of human beings is something the American military is quite grand at and something the left should acknowledge because you know, while they'd say that President Trump disrespects the military, it's the, it's the American left that's wanted to slash the military and suggest that the American military is a force for evil around the world for decades now. Okay, time for a couple of quick things that I hate. So first of all, Chelsea Handler, man. Uh, I don't know why she thinks she's funny. I mean, I guess because she's very wealthy. Um, apparently somebody thinks she's funny, so I guess I'm in the minority here, or at least I'm part of a, a silent majority. But she canceled her Netflix talk show because no one was watching it because it was crap. And instead, she says she's now going to focus on, wait for it, social activism. Oh, yeah. So she wrote this on Twitter. Like so many across the country, the past presidential election and the countless events that have unfolded since have galvanized me. From the national level down to the grassroots, it's clear our decisions at the ballot box next year will mark a defining moment for our nation. For these reasons, I've decided not to return for another season of Chelsea and instead to vote as much time as I can to becoming a more knowledgeable and engaged citizen and to focus on projects that may have significance to me. So first of all, I would recommend that you learn to read. Uh, the Cat in the Hat is always a great starter book, so it's fun with Dick and Jane. She says, my goal is to be better informed, raise my voice, and participate in a more meaningful way. I want to travel the country, visit areas and people I don't know enough about, speak at colleges, listen to students, gain a better understanding of our political divide. I have joined forces with Emily's List to elect more people, to more women to public office, register people to vote, and campaign for candidates who are fighting for women's rights. So it sounds not like she wants to learn, but more like she wants to spread her particular brand of stupid. And her particular brand of stupid is quite strong. I wasn't sure whether to put this in things I like or things I hate, because there are a couple of things I like about it. One, Chelsea's show will no longer be on Netflix, which is awesome. And two, Chelsea out in the public eye is not bad for the Republican Party, for the conservative movement, or Donald Trump. Okay, it's actually quite good. The more Hollywood shows its face, the more the rest of America silently repels away. Uh, and I think that that's exactly right. They're like Homer Simpson in that, in that gif, you know, slowly backing into the bush. I think that that's, that's how Americans react to Chelsea Handler. So the more she's out there, the more Americans are likely alienated from the Democrats. Okay, other things that I hate today. 
So Mayim Bialik, uh, the star of The Big Bang Theory, one of the stars of The Big Bang Theory, uh, long history in Hollywood, uh, she wrote a piece about sexual harassment in the New York Times, and she just got an enormous amount of crap for it. Why? Because she suggested that if you want to minimize the chances that you will be sexually harassed personally, then you might want to consider dressing more modestly. Okay, this is what she actually wrote. What she wrote is, let me find the exact section here. She says, as a non-traditional looking woman, I came back to an industry that had me auditioning for the frumpy friend or the Zaftig secretary, though I eventually landed a role that has earned me four Emmy nominations. Is it a surprise I play an androgynous, awkward, late bloomer? Uh, She says, I've experienced the upside of not being a perfect 10. As a proud feminist with little desire to diet, get plastic surgery, or hire a personal trainer, I have almost no personal experience with men asking to meet me in their hotel rooms. Those of us in Hollywood who don't represent an impossible standard of beauty have the luxury of being overlooked and in many cases ignored by men in power unless we can make the money. I still make choices every day. This is the paragraph that that drove the left insane. I still make choices every day as a 41-year-old actress that I think of as self-protecting and wise. I have decided that my sexual self is best reserved for private situations with those I am most intimate with. I dress modestly. I don't act flirtatiously with men as a policy. I am entirely aware these types of choices might feel oppressive to many young feminists. Women should be able to wear whatever they want. They should be able to flirt however they want with whomever they want. Why are we the ones who have to police our behavior? In a perfect world, women should be free to act however they want. But our world isn't perfect. Nothing, absolutely nothing, excuses men for assaulting or abusing women. But we can't be naive about the culture we live in. I believe we can change our culture, but it won't be something that happens overnight. We live in a society that has treated women as disposable playmates for far longer than Mr. Weinstein has been meeting ingenues in luxury hotel rooms. So... I don't see what's wrong with anything that she's writing here. She's not saying that you bear the responsibility for sexual harassment or sexual assault if you don't dress modestly and a guy does something evil to you. That's not what she's saying. What she is saying is the same thing that I have said a thousand times about conceal and carry, right? We live in a violent world. It behooves you, if you don't want to be violently accosted, to conceal and carry. We live in a violent world. That's why you have a lock on your front door. I mean, honestly... It does not make it any better for somebody to open your front door if it is unlocked. It doesn't justify somebody breaking into your house if the front door is unlocked. It doesn't justify anybody shooting you if you don't have a concealed carry permit. But if you can take measures to prevent bad things from happening or make it less likely they happen to you, why is that bad advice? I'm confused why that is bad advice. If you can avoid bad situations, why wouldn't you? And to pretend they're not worse situations and better situations is to ignore reality. Of course there are worse situations and better situations. Right? That's exactly why Mike Pence has his rules. It's why I have personal rules. Right? The, the whole point here is to have rules that, that help minimize these situations. So yes, men should be the ones who have the burden of having the rules for the most part. But is it stupid to recognize the reality that if you are dressed in a more provocative fashion and you are openly flirting with a bunch of guys, it is more likely that somebody is going to sexually harass you? That doesn't, again, justify the sexual harassment. It's still wrong. Just as it's still wrong for somebody to rob my house if I leave the door unlocked. But it would be smarter for me to lock the door. It might be smarter for you not to get drunk with your coworkers and and dress provocatively if you don't want to be sexually harassed. Again, that is not a justification. I can't, uh, she says it herself in this piece. So the feminist movement comes out, oh, so terrible, my embiolic, justifying sexual harassment, making, saying that women's are really, the victims are the provocateurs. No, that's not what she's saying. She's saying the same thing that you would tell your daughter. Okay, you would tell your daughter this. You would. Feminists, you would tell your daughter this. And if you wouldn't, you're a bad parent. You're a bad parent. Okay, you would tell your daughter not to walk alone in a dangerous neighborhood at night. You would. 
as a feminist, would you say the world isn't fair? Are you saying that my daughter can't walk alone in a bad area of town where lots of crime occurs? Are you saying it's her fault if she gets mugged? No, I'm saying don't walk alone in a bad part of town where lots of crime occurs. That's what I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. That's all that Mayan Bialik is saying. And the fact that things like modesty are considered not preventative, the, things that, the fact that things like taking sex seriously as opposed to just treating sex as a throwaway disposable object, that that may actually minimize chances of sexual assault and sexual harassment— I mean, isn't this, like, just obvious? It is true. If a woman decides to go up to a room with a, a hotel room with a man, and then the man rapes her, the rape is a rape, and the guy should go to jail, be castrated, or killed. Right? I'm on board. However, as a matter of, as, as a matter of practicality, would it not be smarter for the woman not to go up to the hotel room with the man in the first place if she can avoid it? Is it bad advice to say, listen, you can do whatever you want. It doesn't remove the moral responsibility from the man or add moral responsibility to you. But just to be smart, wouldn't you want some risk mitigation here? Our entire life is about risk mitigation, and pretending that it's not is just blinding yourself to reality. So I, it, it's really sickening to me what they're doing to Mayim Bialik, just ridiculous, and demonstrates the scorn that people have for religious people. Mayim Bialik is a quasi-Orthodox Jew, and so she abides by certain rules of modesty. Uh, and uh, and to suggest, it's so funny. The Independent ran a piece like three days ago saying that Islam was the solution to sexual harassment. And Mayim Bialik basically says that simple Judeo-Christian modesty might be a way of minimizing opportunities for bad men to sexually harass you. And she's the one raked over the coals. Amazing how that works. Okay, so I was going to do the big idea today, but I think that we may have run out of time. So we'll do it, uh, we'll do it uh, instead tomorrow, maybe with the mailbag. Uh, we'll be back home tomorrow, so less technical difficulties. We apologize for any tef- technical difficulties you experience, but we will be back home from Tennessee tomorrow. I am Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.